RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Okay, we're going to talk Wellington now and specifically Courtney Place. And I'm going to start this with um, the first paragraph of an open letter written to the Mayor of Wellington, Tori Fano. Do you know who I am? June 28th, 2023. And I'm reading this from the wellington.scoop.co.nz website. Open letter to Mayor Tori Fano. We represent business, individuals and organisations, all of which are based in the heart of Wellington, Courtney Place. We spend our days in this place. Our dreams and projects belong to this place. We all love this place. We speak as one in giving you this assessment of the Let's Get Wellington Moving LGWM Golden Mile proposal on which you will vote tomorrow. And this was written or published on the 28th of June, so the vote was on the 29th. We'll find out about that shortly. It will suck life from a city still reeling from the pandemic. Okay, so what is that open letter all about? If you're a Wellingtonian, you may have a clue. If you're not from the Wellington area, then you probably want to find out more. And we're going to do that right now. We're talking to Barry Wilson, a former lawyer and from the group SOS Courtney Place. Barry, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I just read out that um, opening paragraph of uh, an open letter to the Mayor Tori Fano. That was at the end of June. So what is that all about? Why did you send that letter? And I understand that since then, since the end of June, there have been developments. So take it from there. Yes, well, our group is called SOS, which is SOS Save Our Street, Courtney Place, extends also to the whole Golden Mile. We are simply for the proposal to retain cars. We think it's a, a ram rate on retail. Uh, we have examples before of temporary closures, which have been disastrous. We think cars are vital on this route to the retention of our business base, which is money arrives in cars more than bikes and buses. This is the way we swing in the capital in the Golden Mile. And we simply are not Luddites or flat-earth society. We're not old-fashioned. We know that retail is vital down there for jobs and livability and all these things. So we're standing simply to say, leave us alone. Just fix the place. Don't root it with all these uh, crazy sort of experimental ideas. And don't bring us Amsterdam to our door because we're not those kind of people. Yeah, so this is all part of um, let's get Wellington moving. Is that is that right? It is. It's an oxymoron, really, because all I've done is slow things down. But we're not against them per se, and there are good things in the future they can do around the tunnel and other ways through. Bear in mind, this all got off to a start to get us through the tunnel to the airport quicker. That fell over with the Terrace Fiver not happening. Then they looked for something to do, and they decided to pounce upon this, this name Golden Mile, which is only the key, actually. Then that became an obsession to keep the, the team going and work there. And it's grown from $62 million to now $150 million. And even the, the eye-watering cost is not enough to stop them and make them think again. So it's an obsessional, cycloptic kind of development with such critical mass behind it and such a sunk cost already, they won't stop. But it's just out of control completely. And what we think is that it will simply, particularly in Courtney Place's situation, uh, it'll absolutely kill Courtney Place because that's where it's a small town that trades all day. The nightlife is quite a different thing, but the daytime is just a trading town like Levin, and cars are essential from, from 7 in the morning. Okay, I want to ask you about what they're planning for that. But first, uh, I just want to go back to something that you just said. Are they creating 
extra projects now just to keep their their money viability or their earnings or yep. their, their their ticket clipping opportunities in place. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. Look, we've had a lot of people parachute in from Australia. Uh, the foreign firms that will come here, all the uh, the big consultants, they've taken offices in Wellington. This is an the only train leaving town is the gravy train. But um, we have a lot of people from Auckland come down here. Even they don't know our culture. This is a different. All our cities are different. Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, and all around the world. There are no imported examples for us of any relevance to the way this city is. It's a it's a little narrow gutted city on a harbour. It's quite different to all the foreign exemplars of grid streets and you know, Amsterdam, and you know it's just quite absurd to make those comparisons. So they have then decided because the light rail is some years away to make this the project to sort of lead to that. But it's completely disconnected to where the congestion is. It's completely disconnected to the airport work and, and, and travel that's needed there. It's become a sort of obsession in its own right. Okay, and it was voted, well, green light was voted, wasn't it? Uh, they carry on at, at yep. the end of uh, June, just before that, or just after that uh, open letter that I mentioned uh, was published. Yeah, we had a, yep. yeah, we had a public meeting, which was heavily attended. Cause the realisation of what this thing really means on the ground is just dawning on people. We've been, I've been involved in this process for four years now and been headbutted by bureaucrats all the way through and it's been a hard and lonely job I mean our group alone that they're time poor they work six days a week often 12 hours a day that's hospital and retail and we have 14 ethnicities out here in Courtney Place a lot of them are shy they don't speak the language English is their probably even their third or fourth language um, and they don't easily engage in these things they don't understand the way we work this is not an Asian kind of governance culture so they feel alienated they came to me and said because I was a lawyer down here for a long time, so I know them all. Um, and I said, well, I'd help because I had time on my hands. And it just grew like topsy. And now we're fighting this giant bureaucracy that's spent $100 million so far just to produce paper and uh, one railway, well, sorry, one, one road crossing and now doing a roundabout. So they, they spend money like drunken sailors in a, in a casino. Uh, we have no budget. Um, our people are time poor and also money poor after COVID. Everyone's down at least 30%. That, that's all your profit gone. So they're going to work just to survive, meet their obligations. It's, gone. It, it's been a very difficult three years. That's a scandal, isn't it? $100 million, um, spent on... I mean, I'm looking... Because I'm just around the corner from Courtney Place. I'm looking at the newly minted cycle path, which is the whole width of one car lane, though I've never seen a, a, a cycle um, a bicycle that wide before along um, Cambridge Terrace, and I haven't seen any any bloody cyclists on it at all. How much did that cost? I, I don't have the costings on those. No, I know well, all the rhetorical. It, it, it's just preposterous. It just yes, okay. Look, it's a huge cost, but look, look the cost of the Golden Mile project at one hundred and fifty million is sixty five thousand dollars per meter from the Embassy Theatre to the Cenotaph. That's the cost of a brand new car, a nice modern car, park all along the route on each side. I mean, this is a, a, an absurd expenditure on a road that doesn't need it. We, we want a beautification. I could save them 20 or 30 million just by saying, give us the beautification we want, give us the cleaning we want, give us some thematic street furniture, give us a theme, a bit like an Asian theme down in Courtney Place because it's an Asia town, but we, 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 are, we think the key is just fine. We don't need wider footpaths because the footpaths are not crowded. That's a, 
a brazen lie, um, we fall one third short of the world definition of crowded footpaths on the busiest part of the quay on the busiest day. So a lot of the narrative is false, hyperbole, just to generate an outcome which they want. And there's a clique I call a sect inside Waka Katahi and inside the council, and they all talk, and they're all fellow travellers, and they all drink along together, and they talk to each other. For example, I'm down in Courtney Place now. Um, when, when they first announced this plan four years ago, they pushed leaflets under doors and blew away. The cyclists all knew they had advanced communication from council, and they were in cahoots and, and working together. The engagement spike of that, um, that, well, that interaction between them showed that the cyclists knew before we did, there's a giant spike, and then we came in to, to, to moan and groan and disagree about a week later. So all the way through the, the cyclists, who are less than 1% of people moving by, have had to jump on us. And they have... I mean, the cycle network is actually funded partly by council. Patrick Morgan gets money from the council. And he goes along to speak to them, saying that I did. I got five minutes for about 1,000 people. After four years, we got five minutes. You couldn't strip the madness. Okay, so the, 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 this is interesting. So there's a group of cyclists out there that are essentially a political force that can be called upon by the, you know, the, the proponents of this over-the-top expenditure and imposing their mm-hmm. fantasy will or obsession, whatever you want to call it, on you know, the unsuspecting uh, retailers and public of Wellington. So they can, they can call on a whole lot of... Um, willing cyclists who swoop in as sort of political activists more than cyclists to endorse the project. Is that what they've been doing? Yeah, that, that's not a conspiracy theory. That is actually what has happened. It's, it's surprising how bad it is. I'm deeply cynical about the power of the cycle network and their deep connections with council. Now, Patrick Morgan's not a bad man, but I'll tell you what, he's a stranger to the truth. He makes things up. He says that Karori Tunnel has got suddenly, you know, 30% more cyclists and it turns out to be like eight more people. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And they're very clever at what they do. But they are funded by the council and by Waka Katahi. Now, that's, to me, that's um, unacceptable. But that's just one thing they do. Um, they do falsify. But when we had the online engagement that started in advance with them, knowing more than us, they uh, was online opt-in poll at, at the night time. So all the keyboard warriors, while their lingerie is going around the tumble dryer, that's the yeah. me. But anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. They're like a legend. They were all, you know, they get on the keyboards. So they bash all these responses. So there were 1,300 respondents to that survey, and they said, oh, 58% went for option C, which is transform the radical op- option, which is get rid of cars completely. We thought that was such a mad option. It was just there to wind us up. But 58%, that's 700 people. So 700 people on an opt-in poll can decide the fate of the future of that's just absurd. You know, Mary from Mungaraki or, you know, Peter from Paiatua, you didn't have any quality uh, measurement of who they were. They got the vote, and, and that was the basis which they say there was overwhelming support for this option C, transform. Well, do you think 58% is overwhelming? Uh, do you think 700 people should decide no. the direction of a city? When everyone else is at home reading their, st- their kids' stories or bathing the children or having dinner or having watching TV, a normal life. We are not the zealots that sit attached to the, to the uh, computers all night and try and change the world they live in. Well, yeah, there seems to be a fanatical um, edge to this. Uh, how do we explain that? I mean, how these people got so, so radicalised? 
the zealotry seems to be over the top. All we're talking about is, you know, a bicycle rider. No big deal, guys. You know, that's all you are, right? There's lots of lots of lovely people ride bikes, and you know we like that thing. But it has a place in society, and they call it that. They're obsessed with mode shift. Well, you know, bike biking is only one mode, and you know I see the peloton go racing by my bus stop sometimes, and I admire that and whatever. And then you see the zealots, and you see the hard outs, and I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. That sort of crowd. Well, they all wear similar clothing. The hard outs, don't they? They wear sort of weird kind of that. You can tell who they are, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, they're extremists, a lot of them, and whatever. See, they have got clout, and and they are very active and they're organised. They all talk to each other and whatever. But it becomes an obsession, and uh, that that's the stage it's become. And we're just falling down in the council. A lot of the planners are part of this cult themselves, and they're obsessed with it. That's why they roll out bike lanes without any regard. Look what's happened outside the hospital down there, where you close down a forest, and where does the forest and ever fail? Opposite hospital. Yeah, it's pretty um, obvious, isn't it, that you... <laughs> You've got Emina down there, a lady with the, the grocery shop. Well, they took away all of her access to parking and people just can't get to her shop to shop anymore. She said, I've survived COVID, I've survived countdown coming along, but I can't survive this because they've cut off all ways you can get to her trade without difficulty. And they just don't care. And, of course, you go down there and you go and buy a lot of ticket and you wait and, and you, you won't see a bike come by you. Well, this is the thing. I've been looking, you know, because we've got it in our face, and they've been making it at four in the morning. It's the other thing. How much does that cost? Mm -hmm. But no one uses it. So it's it's all a sham as far as I'm concerned. Uh, And it seems that um, they're prepared to destroy, as you've just, um, or compromise severely people's um, you know, um, life's uh, uh, earning capability. What, What will happen in Courtney Place then if all this goes ahead. What, what will the transformation be like? What will the loss of business be like? Can you tell us? Well, yes. Well, the south side we call Eat Street. That's the um, the row of like, food outlets and whatever and a couple of restaurants or a number of restaurants. That's the side where you come in a slip lane there and, and you pop in and you double park and you rush in and get your hamburger or your noodles or fried rice, um, whatever. That's been trading for a long time in that way. The other side, the, the north side, is more restaurants and 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 and. Bear in mind, bars don't really get going until five o'clock. So the place has been trading already by for ten hours by then. All the opprobrium about Corny Place and its bad rep comes from two, two nights a week, Friday and Sunday, from sort of midnight to four in the morning, and none of us really appreciate that. But the bottom line is that the place is a trading town, like a little event clipped onto the city, which has a day shift, which is totally different to the night shift, and that's the day shift that will be attacked from 7 a.m. For 12 hours, that road will be closed to cars, and trucks will have to come by appointment and get permits to drop their goods on. So it's a massively bureaucratic, sort of almost Soviet kind of East German kind of thing where you're going to have to get a permit to bring your truck in there to deliver a sack of rice. And these trucks come all day. Over 120 trucks a day come down there, it's just insanity, a bureaucratic dream, really. Uh, that'll bugger the business very, very much. I mean, we have one little client down there. She's got a, um, a T-shirt. Well, 35% of her business comes by car. And they come from Poro, Karori, because she has the best bubble tea, they think. Now, she will lose that. Her profit lies in that 35%. So she'll be going broke or just go to work just for fun. There'll be no money in it anymore. And she's paying $48,000 rent. And that's guaranteed by her personally. 
So does she go out the back door just because it's a fancy project? Wanting to have um, Amsterdam and Corny Place? I don't think so. I think it's cruel, nasty, vindictive and selfish. Well, you've got the uh, mayor of the city out, um, um, you know, uh, asking people if they know who she is uh, and stuff like that, obviously enjoying the entertainment. The open letter that we started with was written to her. Do we know what Tori Farnow, uh, her position, because she's a green, isn't she, uh, her political uh, yeah, well, she, uh, leaning? She, so so what's she been saying? Well, she hit the greens for the election. Now she's sort of become a green again, and that was... You know, she's allowed to have that badge and those things, but she's got to use of care. She she states that she was elected on this mandate. That's absolute rubbish. She came to power um, by a good margin. That was because of the makeup of the election. There were three men, two unappealing. Um, she was a woman who rode through on the woman vote and the green vote. Good luck to her. That's just the way it works on a very low turnout election. Don't misinterpret that for a big mandate. It doesn't exist. Um, it's, it's just funny to how women call it a mandate of, it's about time they change that word, but yeah. it's a bit of irony for me. Don't don't appropriate the word. Yeah, we don't, we don't regard her as the enemy. We just regard her as someone who hasn't done her homework and just speaks and bumper stickers and cliches. Um, don't tell us your transformation. That's very boastful. There's enormous hubris around this young council, and especially the females. Um, you know, they think they're going to visionary, a transformational. All these big terms they clap around themselves. Half of them wouldn't have a clue. Because they haven't done their own work, they haven't read this stuff. They read nothing from the SLS. Um, when you address them, you can see you can see they're switched off. They're not interested really, because they've formed their views. And I say, look, you've got nice to the city. Don't be lazy. You can't have these ties that bind you to Parliament or to the Beehive or whatever. You've got to vote according to the interests of the citizens of Wellington. Exactly. Not what not what Julianne Magenta thunders down the phone and bangs her phone down in here. None of that tantrum at Parliament stuff. No. You've got to look after the people of Wellington who you said you made an oath to. Oaths are very serious obligations. Hubris amongst the young women. Is that is that what you just said? I think Tamitha Paul is a nice enough young person, but tremendously naive, overly assertive. But she is not across the subject. I mean, she said a stupid thing. When I had five minutes to talk on behalf of SOS, which was bloody hard to to get out that burden on his shoulders in a short time, I decided not to read nights but to wing it. And I could see he was not listening, and that was here particularly. But she said that day that businesses in Courtney Place were closing and going broke because of congestion. All right. That's precisely the opposite of what's happening down in Courtney Place. Uh. Congestion is not a problem. We're not congested with cars or buses morning, day or night. That never happens down here. It happens on the quay to a degree. That's part of being a city. We're not boxed in, after all. So when the city's clogged up a little bit at five o'clock, well, get over it. Grow up. Just live in the city. This is not boxed in. Um, and what we can do is we can adjust our times of work. We've learned through COVID. We can work from home. We can work different hours. There's all sorts of ways. AI is going to devastate the workforce in the city. Yeah, I agree. In my humble view. Yeah. Because lawyers and accountants, they won't be doing the same thing. You know, when I was a lawyer, it was much different. We were writing things out by hand. It's just so different now. So all of these things militate towards a different kind of city. And we will want to go down there and walk around. But, I mean, we're stuck with one of the planners here. He comes from overseas saying she wants to take her son to to the Golden Mile and, and play on the key. I said, hey, get your son a ball and a bat or something and go to the park and meet children and join a team. That's what we do in New Zealand. We don't take our sort of foreign-influenced kid to go and play in the CBD in an Ashfield Street. It's absurdist. 
But that's the sort of lifestyle they think we're going to have. And, uh, oh, dear. But, yeah, so it's pretty grim. <laughs> Their thinking is completely dystopian. And they're talking about um, this being a once-in-a-life opportunity. Well, is this because we have a reckless government that, you know, spends like drunken sailors in a casino? Why is this once-in-a-life when the bank is empty, when trade is really down, we're in recession, which I don't think is by any means over. The tail of this recession will be quite long. Uh, the one in the 90s was quite long. Yeah. So now is not the time to go recklessly spending. But what really wound us up, got us really, really angry with them, was when they had, they were told, look, it's jumped by 50 million. They didn't even blink. And the vote we went to, we thought they might actually change their minds or say, let's have a pause or let's, you know, let's call in someone else more skillful, the Auditor General even, or whatever. No, they just barged ahead. And one day, they voted to spend another $50 million. And, of course, what can you want this? Because they're putting in 100. Ask yourself, why is the, if you like, the chief of the highways, Kawakakadahi, don't like that name much, NZTA, why are they spending $100 million on our main drag? Then they've got potholes from North Cape to Bluff. And the government, or the, the national, promising you know, 500 mil to try and fix up the potholes on the roads. And we're going to spend 150 mil on one street. I got an three kilometres long. I think I've got an answer because they're on the take. They've got to be. Yeah. They've got to be. There's so many vested interests. There's so many vested interests here. Um, I think that's the, you're onto it there. there. There are some huge firms with huge power. When The, the lady that um, the mayor was having dinner with, and good luck to them having dinner, but it's usual association that she should be out with the woman who the top of a big infrastructure firm, um, uh, celebrating apparently the victory when we got told to bugger off and they're going to ruin our street and, and turn us all into water. Oh, so they were celebrating that vote, were they? Yeah. Okay, and she was out with someone, well, that's a conflict of interest, isn't it? Right there. Well, you know, they're friends and associates, but... No, 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 not when you're the mayor and not when there's 150 million at stake. No, that's a conflict of interest. Yeah, well, probably, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know that, that person, but it, it was not a good look. Well, and If it, um, if it, it was something it, different, it, okay, it, but if it was what you just said, then that is too close for comfort. Well, it, it's been looked at, I'm sure, by lots of people. But, I mean, all the, all the forces that the mayor office has, you know, everyone was sort of like wound down and shut up and the whole thing died and, and the Dom Post or the Post that's called now got a good telling off for um, featuring the thing in the first place. So, I mean, these, these stories sink pretty pretty quickly. But what troubles me is in Wellington, some enormously powerful foreign firms are in there uh, with big premises, uh, huge rents. Wakatai has moved to a very expensive building. Uh, Let's get Wellington moving. moved to a very expensive building, the Majestic Tower. Um, oh, OK. You see, the, yep. the power of these people, they, they don't, they're not shy of spending. I mean, uh, Hell's Bells, when I was involved. But it's not their the money. Construction. Exactly. Well, like I say, drunken sailors in a casino. And the only town, train leaving town is the gravy train. I mean, they are doing super well. And that's why they can spend such mouth-watering, eye-blinking, eye-watering amounts of money on things that really are just vanity projects. Wellington needs this golden mile like a third nostril. We don't need this project at all. Yeah. Yeah, but they need it to clip their tickets and to get the money and to um, shore up jobs for later on. Well, you've set a runaway train on in, in, in way. I mean, this thing is so big, and there's so many mouths to feed, and they hire people. I mean, I've been dealing with now my third director, 
I mean, they don't talk to us anymore because we talk to them directly. We've, we've learnt that trying to engage them and, and throwing marshmallows, we, we might as well throw stones. They don't like us. They meet with us. Uh, Sarah Gardner, who's the um, the boss of this, that's one of the only things, she comes from Dunedin Regional Council. Um, she left there. Um, the most indebted council, the most indebted council area yeah. in the country, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she was popular down there, but the, the bottom line is she went, came up here. Does she know the town? Does she know how this place swings? Not really. I mean, these people are just imposed. We have our own culture in Wellington. Yeah, I know. And we're I'm, proud of it. I'm from yeah. Wellington. I can relate to that. And I spent a lot of time yeah. at Courtney Place over the years, back in the nightclub days and, and everything. So I know where you're coming from, totally. Yeah, so we think we we got the likes of Rod Walker, I still see socially. I mean, there are some good designers. We've got some really good architectural firms. We don't need Giel to come from Denmark or Stockholm or somewhere to tell us how to be. Um, some of these, you know, imported designers, absurdist. I mean, one of them, the Giel projects was to the Harbour Keys to have a roof of concrete put on it and, and have a plaza. Well, great idea, but simply unaffordable. Giel thought that Turnagy Street, the windiest street in Wellington, would be marvellous if it was all restaurants and cafes. Well, <laughs> come on, umbrellas and cook straight, you know. It's yeah, holding on to the lamppost. Yeah. They sit over there with their pens and, and paper, drawing schemes and dreams, and, and they don't even understand the weather. In Wellington, average wind in Wellington is 36 kilometres. That's every day. It's average. We have 142 days around a year. But this is not El Dorado. Yeah. yeah, but in the end it doesn't matter because as long as you've got the money, mate, as long as you're spending the money. Doesn't really well, matter. You can always move out of Wellington later on, go back to Denmark or whatever. You know, suckers, yeah. too bad. I've got the money, I'm happy. Absolutely. All well, right. We're in the hands of. What, what happens next? Sorry. Sorry, what happens? What's the next move, Barry, or are you out of moves now? No, we're, we're, um, we're running out of town and time. Um, there's a move afoot to. Um, it's, it's an open secret around town that people are looking at the worst option, which is judicial review, which is expensive and difficult. But there's so much at stake. We're not talking tillywinks here, as Tana says. You know, this is not tillywinks. This is ruin for the retail sector. Yeah. And it might be just a death by a thousand cuts. You have retailers like Hamish Vance and his brother, 40 years in the trade, they're saying, we know what we do here. I think they're world class. They are facing a prospect of a a trim-down bus stop being put right outside their shop, one of the best window displays in town. So they move the bus stop from Kirk's facade and the ANZ facade back to one stop right in front of their window. How's that going to help their trade yeah. every day with a great new queue of people outside care. their window? They, 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 don't they, they, they don't care. They don't give a stuff. They, they do not give a stuff. Uh, they, they just blink at you and move on. And there is this irritating superiority complex with some of their staff that, you know, to be honest, I, I don't even like to be in the same room with, with some of the people, some very nice people in the process and in the engagement process, but there's some real buffheads in there and they're just zealots and they've got a job to, and they're like, they're just like executioners or brown shirts. They, there's no deviation. And I can say that after four years of what we've tried to achieve, the only thing we achieved was keeping Tory Street open, which would have caused chaos in, in Tiaro, but that was only because the big pockets of Moore Wilson were glaring at them. So that was yeah. the one little victory we had, and that wasn't ours. It was just the group. So um, we're up against a really difficult cult of people, and they've won because they've got the numbers, 
and they've got their hands in in other pockets and they've got these connections behind the scenes. There is a whole culture coming out of um, Wakakatahi. I think this should be investigated. I really do, and that's not paranoia. I agree. I think it's It's to the point of pseudo-corruption. It's pseudo-corrupt, and a lot of those jobs could just be removed altogether and the world would be a better place. Okay, Barry Wilson from SOS Courtney Place. Thank you for filling us in. Fascinating, actually. Really interesting. And, um, Good on you. You know, great effort, and sorry that it's got to this, but I, I got a feeling this ain't over yet. I got a feeling. Yeah, I think um, we've gone through the phony war. We're now going to war, but that's going to cost a lot of money, and uh, we'll look at that. And But there are people down there who said to me the other day, Mary from Astana, Malaysia, Barry, we are burning inside. Yeah. And the little little May from uh, Theology, she said, Barry, I'm weeping. I'm weeping. Yeah. I cannot survive without customers. But they don't care. This is the thing. They don't bloody care. They couldn't give a stuff, could they? They probably look upon no, that person you just mentioned as some sort of moron, simpleton. Yeah. We've got no time for these people. Get out of the way. Look, we've got an earnest young counsellor, Ben McNulty. Not a bad little chap, but he's got a lot to learn. Right? And that's an ageist thing to say, but it's true. It's absolutely bloody true. Now, he says that, oh, it's only three years to put up with this, and then it'll come right and we'll do better. Well, how does he know we'll do better? What? Three years is far too long for any retailer. How old is this guy? How, how old is this guy that you're talking about? Oh, he's in the early 30s, I suppose, okay. a new councillor. Okay. And I'm not going to criticise him as a person. He's, yeah, but but he has all these green... If you don't have the historic knowledge, if you don't understand, you just came down in the last shower. This place has been relevant for ever since I can remember. I, I'm 60. Ever since I can yep. remember. Go to the Grand... And have a look on what's on the wall down I there. They're magnificent. I've seen have you seen them? I've seen the pics. Yeah, They're amazing. Was, I was a child of the 50s and, and I'm showing my age. But, I mean, there's some magnificent photos down there of that era. And i just looking back and thinking, all the generations that have gone before, the people that built this place, the lives that were lived down here, and, and all the things that happened, the Asia town, um, yeah. the, 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 the markets, all the incarnations we've been through. And now we've lost our little gorgeous pharmacy where the two ladies just can't go, and, and that's personal service pharmacy. And they were just not going to be profitable anymore. So they're gone. Yeah. Oh, dear. It's so sad. And we, lo- we lost Green Gary's because of theft every day. Theft every day. People walking and stealing a bottle of gin and just walking out the door. So we lost them. And there's no policing down here. Where's well, the police station? That's a very good point. A very good point. Where is the, the police presence? I, I don't see them on the beat. And I see homeless, no. po- and I feel sorry for them. Everywhere. Yeah. In every doorway, man. Yeah, well, do you imagine the rates we pay in Courtney Place, including the special rate that's inflicted on business? You think about the GST and the tax paid down here. You think of the liquor duty. Um, this place is a, a a real generator of tax because it goes for 21 hours a day some days, or some do. Uh, that's way longer than the key. This is the hardest working part of Wellington, Courtney Place. That's why we're saying it's quite different. It needs its own cuddle. It doesn't need the generic pill, you know? Yep. And what you're doing, this generic sort of ram raid, is, is just the last thing we need. That's why I have this cliche, we need you like a third nostril. We don't need your silly ways. Or a second asshole. Yep, yep. All right, um, Barry Wilson, SOS Courtney Place, thanks for coming on and, and telling us about that, and, and let's see what happens. Thanks for hearing our story. I appreciate it. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.